0: Hello, and welcome back to Minute 2 of the Airport Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go through the 137 beautiful minutes of the greatest disaster movie ever made, the 1970 Universal Pictures Airport. Right now, we're in Minute 2, as I said before. Uh, I'm Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm <laughs> I'm Mark
1: Cerulli, zoning out. Uh I'm the uh, co-host, writer-producer of uh, CovertOps.tv.
0: And we are going to be going through the whole thing. Right now, we are in the middle of a pile of credits. So it looks like we're going to be talking about everybody that's starring in this movie. And we'll probably concentrate on the primary lead.
1: Basically, everybody who was anybody in Hollywood was in this film
0: yeah and was free and was actually working for Universal and wasn't involved in something else across town but uh they are a pretty big lot I mean we've got uh we already talked about Bert Lancaster and Dean Martin the big time money makers of this show they each got seven million for uh showing up and uh, reading their lines uh third on the list uh, with her own uh screen credit on top of what looks like a bunch of people plowing snow out on the runway of uh, Lincoln International Airport is Jean Seberg. Jean was uh, uh, very popular at the time. She'd been in a, a bunch of movies. Uh, she was in, probably her most famous one was uh, Jean-Luc Godard's uh, film Breathless back in 1960. This was 10 years after that. But she had a lot of uh, clout as an international star because of the movie Breathless. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had been in a, uh, a movie as a schizophrenic, uh, with, uh, Warren Beatty. That was Lilith. And, uh, she was really big at the time, so she was uh, quite a name for the show. She had her own card on, on the screen. She does an admirable performance here, uh, very believable as, uh, well, we don't want to spoil the plot too much. We'll get into we'll get into her later, but her performance is genuine, believable, and uh, you can really feel what she's feeling through most of the movie.
1: Yep, yeah, and she's also a great-looking woman.
0: Yeah, fantastic, fantastic for the time. She had a kind of a tippy-hedron quality about her. She was that right. blonde, but a little bit more approachable, I think. Uh, and uh, she did her she did her job very well in this film. Uh, unfortunately, at the time uh, that this movie was going on, it was the middle of the uh, Vietnam War, and uh, she was involved in a lot of uh, the anti-war movement and became uh, kind of a target of the FBI. They uh, hounded her through most of her... Uh, Later career in the uh, late 60s Eventually driving her to uh, alcohol and drugs And uh, Possibly a suicide She had overdosed in Paris uh, In the late 70s Uh, Kind of a sad end to a really talented woman But uh, at least we get to enjoy her uh, Two hours on screen for this movie And she really does, as I said before, an admirable job Next up on uh, On screen is uh, A very young, 26-year-old Jacqueline Bessette Sorry Yeah, she. (laughs) She was pretty impressive. Uh, she had gotten her start with—I'd uh, I'd say the first one that she did was the parody of Bond movies. Uh, she was Miss Good Thighs in uh, uh, the Casino Royale movie. And uh, what wow. what studio was that? I don't—I don't remember. Columbia. It was. I say. It was Columbia. Yeah, I
1: believe so. I remember her from the Deep. I remember. Uh, she did that stunning first scene, coming out of the water and then pulling her shirt off with her back to the audience. And I was in this little movie theater in Mount Kisco, New York, and some guy screamed out, "Turn
0: around!"
1: <laughs> 1977.
0: She blew that Oscar right there. Oh well. Yep. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was quite a talent. I mean, you know, she did have an amazing physique, but uh, she was. She does a great. She does a great. I mean, that's an understatement. But she does a yes. great job. <laughs> In uh, in this film, it's really impressive how you just, when you're watching this movie, every time she's on screen, your your eyes follow her everywhere. She's really, she just pulls you right into the movie. And uh, it, one of the movies she had just done just before this, uh, she had done Bullet with Steve McQueen. She was a uh, the, the, the female interest. And in, she was also in... Uh, the Frank Sinatra movie, The Detective, uh, Frank was in the movie, but uh, he was out with, I think that's just when he was breaking up with Mia Farrow. She was originally going to be in, in the movie, The Detective, but uh, she had gotten replaced by Jacqueline Bessette after I think they had a breakup there. Uh, interestingly enough, I mean, this is not directly related to the airport minute. The Detective was actually the prequel to Die Hard. Frank Sinatra was playing the John McClane role, and that 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 la- the the sequel movie to the detective was Die Hard and it just sat on the shelf for 20 years until hmm. Bruce Willis came along. Yeah, I uh did not know that. Uh Jacqueline Bisset is quite a uh quite an actress in this movie. She really she has a difficult role. She has to pretend uh, as a 26-year-old woman she's in love with 53-year-old Dean Martin. It could happen. Yeah, it could. Um <laughs> if she likes to smell of coffee in Chesterfield's in her face. <laughs> But she does good she does a good job in this film, and she has to do yeah she she gets to uh smack uh smack helen Hayes in the mouth i mean it, yeah you get you get to kiss a fifty three year old and smack a seventy year old so there's <laughs> there's your range
1: No, miss hayes i'm I'm going to smack you i'll I'll try not to do it so hard
0: wrong take eight <laughs> take okay. nine yeah so it must was that your tooth on the floor <laughs> I'm
1: terribly sorry <laughs>
0: Oh gosh, but we'll be talking a lot more about uh, Jacqueline Bisset. She'll be coming up in uh, about 10 minutes from now. It's her first appearance in the movie. So we'll we'll check uh-huh. we'll check back with her. But now we have to pause for the uh, the final single card of this movie. The legendary, the amazing George Kennedy. Yes, yes. With this film, he created an icon. I mean I, I can't tell you how many people in the aviation industry think about their hero Joe Petroni. And you couldn't have a Joe Petroni if you didn't have a george Kennedy, he made that role he built it and he as it turned out he was almost uh inseparable from it he he starred in this in this movie and in three subsequent sequels as joe petroni doing completely different jobs but the same character
1: yeah i loved him he was always so big and blustery and yet you knew he had a a, a heart of gold yeah yeah you know i mean so many great movies dirty dozen cool hand luke and and I remember him uh, as uh, the uh, uh, police officer.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, In uh, he was a bumper mm-hmm. in, was it the New Centurions? I can't remember the name of, yeah, he, he uh, I mean, he, he had a great TV role. And then after all this, after all this, uh, these dramatic roles where he was kind of, he was a funny guy in dramatic roles, but uh, then he wound up in all those naked gun movies.
1: Oh, my God. He yeah, was a sidekick yeah.
0: with Leslie Nielsen, and they were ideal for each other
1: and i bet uh i bet he he really loved doing that film
0: oh, i'm sure yeah i he was a guy that you you look at and you knew that he just wanted to go to work uh, every day he he did he always was on he was always on point when he was when he was in these movies you could feel that he stayed up nights nice reading the script he, you know knowing his lines and knowing how to deliver them he came across really good i mean whether he he was even in uh i remember him in a Hitchcock movie with uh, Cary Grant, he was in Charade, and he, he had the Charade. That was a great movie. Yeah, and he had a fight with him like like the way Robert Shaw did with uh, with Sean Connery in uh, From yeah. Rush with Love. It's a big brawny fight scene, and in a lot of his early career, he played the bad guy. And yeah. I, I think this might maybe you know, well Cool Hand Lukey was a good guy in that, but I think he would only been a good guy in a couple of roles, and this was uh, this was one of his first, I think.
1: By the way it was The Blue Knight. The Blue that was Knight. A TV series. Thank yeah, you. Yes, I remember that.
0: Yeah, uh <laughs> great, great great TV show. He's you know just a just a charming guy. You always you always rooted for for George Kennedy. I one thing I did not know until recently when I read it on the internet. Uh he was originally up for the role of Lex Luthor in uh in Superman, but that role later went to uh, Gene Hackman. Gene
1: Hackman, yeah. Trying Another to... You know, phenomenal actor.
0: Wow. I mean, I would have thought he would have gone for the Ned Beatty role, but uh, yeah.
1: You couldn't have two gigantic guys. The, no. The, uh, the Ned Beatty role had to be someone smaller and a little more subservient. Yeah, yeah. I remember him <laughs> scurrying through that movie going, yes, Mr. Luthor.
0: <laughs> or uh, Gene Hackman's line in the movie, do you know why the number uh, 200 is so important to both of us? It's your weight and my IQ. But right. uh, that <laughs> that'll be on our uh, Superman uh, minute mo- minute yeah. when we eventually get in to 2020, that. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <When, once,
1: laughs> unless... I'm my Fruit Loops, but we'll still be doing these.
0: <laughs> It'll be okay. It'll be called the Toothless Minute. We'll be, right. we'll be okay. Right. We'll be doing it from the home. <laughs> yeah. uh, but wow, yeah, George Kennedy. Uh, keep your eye on him. He'll be up also in about 10 minutes. This the character that he creates here is unforgettable. And uh, you know, thank God, thank God, George Kennedy really made this movie what it was. Oh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, we're back to the, uh, actually, this is the final card, I believe, the uh, first lady of the American cinema, Helen Hayes. Mm. Helen Hayes uh, turns in, you know, she was a little old lady, and she turns in the performance as a little old lady. So she was 70 years old at the time that they made this film. And uh, when you think about the kind of a grueling schedule that somebody her age has to, Put in on this, and she's in most of the movie. I mean, from right from about maybe seven or eight minutes in, and she goes right to the last scene. And she has stuff where there's explosions, and she has to Mm -hmm. wrestle people, and she has to. Well, she she had a
1: great range. I mean, when she was, uh, you know, talking about uh, how she manages to get on planes, you could see she was kind of wily and devious.
0: Yeah, and she was really chewing up the scenery. I mean, every time she's on, she just does this like nice theatrical waves, and she looks frantic, and she's always putting her hand to her forehead and being the little old lady. She, she
1: chewed scenery like uh, George Kennedy chewed cigars. Yeah, exactly, yes.
0: <laughs> that, yes, truly. <laughs> uh, she's also uh, one of the rarities in, uh, in American uh, theater. She's an EGOT winner. She has an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Wow. So, uh, that, yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. And none of them were Not like another underachiever. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, uh, walking into the grave slowly at the end. But she, you no, know, she really did stuff for a year and she, she did movies after airport. Uh, it's just, you know, other people would just say, okay, I've had enough. I'm going to go, uh, relax. But she kept going and, uh, she was a real energizer bunny in the whole thing.
1: Well, you know, there's no business like show business. No, no business I know. <laughs> yeah. exactly.
0: <laughs> Uh she is also uh she holds the uh, uh the honor of being the only member of the Airport Cast to be on a US postage stamp. She was honored um
1: wow I'm going to find one of those on eBay. Yeah, I won't. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, we'll have a we'll have a link to that on the uh, on this on today's episode's page. We'll have a picture of that. She really uh did a, a great job. She had two Different theaters in Broadway named after her. they're both torn down now, but you know if you you're, you're lucky to get one theater named after you and then have another one built when you know the old one uh finished up, that's pretty cool uh she was nominated for a bunch of oscars she didn't did she get an Oscar for this one now I can't remember
1: We'll do that in minute three we'll find we'll it yeah we'll come back
0: that. and have a have a fill in for for those uh but she is in rare company in getting that uh that egot. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the final big name, uh, Van Heflin.
1: And uh, I keep I keep thinking Van Halen. Yeah,
0: I know. Well, there he was with uh, uh, Michael Anthony. The the <laughs> she you no know, Van Heflin, uh, notorious heavy. He was probably the biggest thing that everybody remembers him for is uh, being the bad guy in Shane. Uh, yeah. He was. He came across really bad. I mean, he wasn't—he wasn't quite six feet tall, but he just came across as this big, lumbering oaf that uh, you know meant he
1: kind of snarled his way through this movie too. Yeah,
0: yeah, he was not—not not a very sociable person. He came across as just being friendly enough to get through, you know, buying insurance and uh, you know getting <laughs> taking the last dollar from his wife. Well, we'll talk about that when we get to it, but he's just—just yeah. just not very nice. Um, had a very long career. He was, he was in 310 to Yuma. Of course, we said Shane. He was in The Greatest Story Ever Told. Uh, he was also in, uh, uh, yeah, there's, too, there's too many movies to name, but uh, basically if you go to IMDb and just start looking down the, uh, the retinue of you know, Van Heflin, you'll see at least, I'd say, 30 or 40 films under his uh, work. Also a big radio star. He was uh, the star of NBC uh, radios. Uh, he played Philip Marlowe, and uh, he did that in the 40s and was you know, basically the voice of Philip Marlowe. Uh, which I've heard, I've heard tapes of the show, and he kind of he was uh, Van Heflin doing Humphrey Bogart. Mm. So if you want to hear an interesting uh, impersonation of Bogart, look that up on YouTube. I think there's a couple of old ones out there.
1: You know it's, what's interesting about uh, a movie made in 1970 is the people working on it. Their careers stretch back to the 20s. Yeah. Uh uh it's you know just the the amount of history working on this film is is just uh amazing. Yeah,
0: he- Helen Hayes was in the Silent Years. I mean, you think about how far back, you know, she was mm-hmm. she was a contemporary she, her one of her friends I know was uh, William Gillette who I know we think of Arthur Conan Doyle as inventing Sherlock Holmes, but when we think of the Sherlock Holmes, the guy that wears the deerstalker cap and the pipe, right, right. William, William Gillette, Gillette, yeah, he invented that character and she was Buddies with him. She, you know, she'd go to his shows and stuff. And here she is on, you know, in a movie about jet planes. Mm. So quite an itinerary uh, for for the cast here. Yeah. So now we're getting into the uh, the also starings. Uh, there's a new there's a new scene on the green with a bunch of mm. more snow plows. And uh, the first one up is Maureen Stapleton. Most people know her as Jean Stapleton's sister, but she was gigantic on Broadway. She was, she, she was in a bunch of, uh, of plays on Broadway for, I don't know how long, decades. I saw her in a, a performance as the mother of the Glass Menagerie and did a great job. It was funny, when she, she was in the show, she had hurt her knee. She had an ACL uh, problem, and they made an announcement before the program that uh, Miss Stapleton had injured her knee, and what she wants you to do is when she comes on stage... She wants you to stare intently at the bandage on her leg, and then forget all about it while we do the rest of the play. And (laughs) sure (laughs) enough, everybody did that. We all just like, "Wow, look, she hurt her ACL." Wow, and you know, that was about it. You forgot about it, and then she kind of worked it into the play that she was, you know, damaged and was, and she did the rest of the play as the mother, and it came across very well, very professional. I mean, gosh, you know, the show must go on was, I think, her motto. Yeah,
1: and she gave a great performance in this. Yeah,
0: funny thing about it too is that that she. she did not she had a, she was a fear of heights and she didn't travel by air and she never even took elevators she always took the stairs she was afraid of flying in the air wow. so <laughs> although she doesn't get to get on a plane in this one <laughs> <laughs>
1: right she probably had that written yeah, into her contract no, no planes i'll go down the ramp but i'm not on the plane
0: <laughs> that's as far as i go and this far no further so uh she uh, she won best supporting actress uh, not for this particular movie but uh she's big in the Oscars. Uh, she won uh, She won for Reds, and her most uh, memorable line from her speech is, I would like to thank everyone I've ever met. <laughs> a very, very thankful woman.
1: Well, I didn't, uh, never met her, so I wasn't included. Somebody
0: asked her what her role as an actress was, and she said, my main job is to keep the audience awake. And I think she does a really good job of that in here. You just... By the time we get to the end, Mrs. Guerrero, her character is uh, Mrs. Inez Guerrero. By the time we get to the end, you just feel really sorry for her. And yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you feel as bad as, well, don't want to spoil it. You, uh, you'll you watch the movie and see how she does. But gosh, the situation she's in by the end of this movie is just pretty horrific. And I don't, uh, well, Again, we'll talk.
1: She, she shows a great range in the film, you know, going from loving wife to uh,
0: <laughs> to
1: grieving wife, I suppose. grieving wife Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but, so uh we'll talk about her through the through this entire thing yeah. but you know some someone to look forward to she really there really aren't that many bad I, I actually I can only think of a couple well we'll talk with them later. Generally
1: in, in the background of the credits is snow removal and and uh businessmen coming out of the airport and scraping their cars and I I watched that and I'm like man thank god I don't live in the northeast anymore. Uh, yes, I hated yeah. that. Aided
0: it uh well just just to give uh, our listeners a location uh, marks in Hollywood and I'm in Texas so we are both free of snow and uh, so if you're listening to this during a snowy season we're, we grieve for you but we're not we're not doing that anymore served
1: our time in the snow belt yes
0: and uh, the, the next uh, the next name coming up is uh, I think we're gonna have a, a long talk about this fellow because this is although mark hasn't met uh, Maureen Stapleton I think he will have a some interesting stories about Mr. Barry Nelson. Oh, yes. Who uh, plays Anson Harris, the uh, pilot in command of uh, the 707 today. Barry has a fantastically varied career, everything from uh, The Shining to, well, another another popular role that uh, that he started. So, uh, I, Mark, I'll let you tell a little bit more about it. He, uh,
1: he was the actual, the very first James Bond in a live a TV presentation of Casino Royale, and he was known as Jimmy Bond.
0: And American, too. I mean, that was... Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, I got a chance to interview him back in the 90s. And uh, I just remember him saying that it was difficult, that that he had to, you know, the blocking and you had to get to a certain spot and avoid the furniture and everything. But uh, he did it. And I remember when he walked into the... uh, the office I was working at HBO at the time, he uh, he was wearing a coonskin hat. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of man to wear a coonskin hat, and he pulled it off.
0: The Davy Crockett auditions were down the <laughs> hall, or yeah, but uh, yeah, he uh, d- did he say anything about originating the role? I mean, how did he feel about being the first James Bond?
1: You know, I think, uh, this is a number of years ago, but I think it was a job. You know, hey, yeah, I'll do this. And, uh, you know, he's a trained actor and a very good actor. And uh, he, I think he did say he, he enjoyed the movies that came out, you know, a few years later in the 60s. Yeah,
0: I mean, imagine trying to do James Bo- a James Bond movie live. You know, you're running around, the sets are changing. Peter Lorre
1: was the villain.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's still available, I think, on a couple of... Uh... On a couple of DVDs, they, they usually tack on the... Uh, it was Climax, I think, was the name yeah, of the show. Yeah, 1954.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. A full hour. I mean, that's... <sighs> you can't... There's nowhere to hide. You have to be able to deliver.
0: Yeah. And uh, he did the job. And, you know, he was working from from then. I mean, and that, he was already an established actor at the time. And you think he did all that. He made it to airport in 1970. And then a decade later... He was uh, the guy that hires Jack Nicholson in the sh- in The Shining.
1: Right, right. Yep.
0: So, just a fantastic career, and and you said he still, you know, he still had his uh his own sense of humor and stuff. But I guess he didn't care by the time. No, the time no. He met him. when <laughs>
1: you're walking around Manhattan wearing a coonskin hat, you really don't care.
0: Yeah, you're you're your own man. That's exactly. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, Well, uh, we're getting into the uh, the double feature cards now. We have uh, first up is uh, Donna Winter, who plays uh, Burt Lancaster's icy wife in this movie. Uh, turns in a very admirable performance as a very unlikable person. Uh, she was originally born uh, Dagmar Winter, and uh, Donna Winter was uh, in a bunch of films too. You know, I mean, all these people are are veterans. There are no newcomers. Well, with even you know, even Jacqueline Bisset had been in a couple of films before this. She was in. Like, uh, like Barry Nelson, she was in a bunch of live TV shows. She was in Playhouse 90 and things like that. Really fascinating, difficult role that, you know, it, it must be difficult. Like it, it's easy to play a villain, but it's not, she's not a, a real villain. She's more like just the, the dislikable character. She was just somebody you didn't like in the movie. She was the one that you booed at, but not, not quite a villain. Um, but she did a good job in the movie.
1: Well, you know, she wanted to go to those, uh, uh, Hoi Polloi events, and oh. uh, Bird had work to do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so
1: she, so she's left in the mansion all alone.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. on next to those twin beds. Well, we'll we'll talk about all this in probably next week is when they'll be uh, they'll be going up. But she is definitely somebody to watch. Watch how carefully she does her role, she, and. Also remember that a lot of her role, she's playing by herself. A lot of scenes that you'll see, she's just on a phone, and there's nobody else around. She has to keep acting like she's being one-upped by Burt Lancaster, and you know she's probably just standing around with the sound guy and a cameraman and the director, you know, second unit director, going, "Keep it going, keep it going." Does a, uh, does an adequate job uh, selling selling her role. We'll be keeping an eye on Donna Winter through this, and she'll be coming up shortly. She she appears very early in the film. Let's see. Next up is another one of those bat guy actors, a fellow that you can spot in a lot of films as a character actor, he, Lloyd Nolan. And, uh, oh, yeah. Love Lloyd him. Nolan was uh, – he usually plays like a doctor or a police officer or some kind of professional guy, and he uh, – <laughs> I, think, I think people our age – I uh, probably remember him most from the PolyGrip commercials. He was always talking about not having loose teeth as an actor. That was probably pretty good money for him, if because he wasn't doing movies when uh, you know later on in the uh, in the '70s. So he he had a good career in commercial television. He was in uh, a bunch of science fiction movies. He was on. He, oh, he was in Ice Station Zebra. He was the admiral in the ice in Ice Station Zebra. Yep. He he's also in a later disaster movie, Universal's Earthquake. We'll, we'll see him yeah earthquake and right, uh right. bunch of tv shows so you if if you see a movie and lloyd nolan's in it it's probably going to be a pretty good film so keep an eye for him he does a good job in this but i get the feeling uh, when i'm watching this movie i keep getting the feeling that he shot all of his stuff in like two days and
1: he, <laughs> oh yeah i mean and and it's funny it filtered through the prism of of going to the airport today, I mean, he plays a security guard in the film, and he's just kind of watching people yeah, go and, back and, and forth. There was really no strip yeah, and search. The, and Remove the, your big, the big worry uh, for him is
0: whether take... or not people are smuggling diamonds into the country. You know, It's nothing about bombs and guns and yeah. you know all kinds of uh, devices. It's more like, well, find out if she's hiding. Well, we'll we'll talk about that too in the, in the near future. It was a, It was a kinder, gentler time. It was. It was a dear sweeter time when you could just you could wave wave away to people at the gate as they were yeah. saying, or, or even walk down you walk too. down and return their uh missing wallets well, please. <laughs> so we'll we'll be seeing more of that uh next up uh we're still watching the uh, conga line of snowplows going by and uh, the next two on the list are barbara hale and gary collins barbara hale being best known for her role as della street uh, Perry Mason's secretary on uh, uh, opposite Raymond Burr in the uh, 1950s, 60s Perry Mason show. And mm-hmm. uh, she did a good job of that. In this movie, she's 47. I don't know about you, but when I was looking at her in this movie, 47, she looked, she looked a lot older than the 47 year olds. I know maybe that was just because we saw this when we were kids. She just kind of, it, maybe it's the hair or something like that. She's the just, lighting. Yeah. And she has basically two scenes. Uh, one's in a car and one's, mm-hmm. uh, One's in the waiting room. So I think she was probably there for maybe a week of shooting tops. She, she didn't even have to get out of the car in the first.
1: Yeah. As they, as they say, they shot her out in a day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They probably just worked around it. Can you be in a uh, friend of
1: mine, uh, directed, uh, Rodney Dangerfield in a TV commercial. And he said, <laughs> Dangerfield suddenly started going, Paul, you got to shoot me out. Just shoot me out. <laughs> <laughs> that means get me out of here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the best piece of trivia about Barbara Hale is if you ever watch The Greatest American Hero, she was the mother of Bill Cat, who's uh, the star of Greatest American Hero. That was, you know, in terms of family relations, that's, that's her big claim to fame. Let's see. And we also have Gary Collins, who was, whew, I think he was, wasn't he on Good Morning America? He had a couple of TV shows. He was on, he had done acting jobs, and then he was on a bunch of TV shows. Uh, he was most famous for marrying uh, Miss America, Marianne Mobley. Mm. He did a lot of charity work with March of Dimes. Later later in life, he did a lot. He
1: was nominated for an Emmy Award six times. Wow. And he won in 83 for uh, Outstanding Talk Show Host. Yeah, that's, yeah,
0: he did a lot of talk shows.
1: Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs>
0: always helpful uh everybody's just a click away yeah and he uh, passed away sometime uh recently 2012 he died in uh, 2012 of natural causes so there you go um and a native californian so let's see we'll be seeing him he plays the navigator on uh transglobal flight 2 and so we mostly see him over dean martin's shoulder which is a tough role trying to act you know go Gary and so watch watch for uh Gary Collins's head just behind Dean Martin <laughs> for most of the movie so next we're seeing a bunch of sanding trucks uh driving away from the camera and there's like these little torches hanging off the bottom of the sanding trucks burning holes in the runway do they really do that I do Maybe they, they did maybe back they then. Maybe they did back then. You know, they're probably spraying yeah. a, a, the asbestos lined uh, runways. We've got a whole bunch of people here John Finlater, Jesse Royce Landis, Larry Gates, Peter Turgian, and.
1: Shout out to Miss Landis. She was in North by Northwest, one of my favorite yeah, films. And she
0: was playing uh, Carrie Grant's mother? mother, and she was like three or four years uh, older. I forget what it was. It was some. Uh, just like, wow. Yeah, she was uh, quite, quite a gal. Yeah, she was great. Well, first we'll talk about John Finlater who is uh, still in the Los Angeles area. And Mr. Finlader, if you're hearing this, please uh, write to us. We would love to have you on the show. He did... We'll uh, give you a free T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> First, we have to print the T-shirt. <laughs> uh, he was uh, a regular on Peyton Place, the uh, primetime soap opera of the 60s. He was also married to uh, Catherine Mary Stewart, who was in um, The Last Starfighter. Right, uh, right, right, right. So... Uh, uh, we'll be seeing him. He plays Peter Coakley, uh, the inept assistant to uh, Gene Seberg's uh, Tanya Livingston. So we'll be seeing a lot of him uh, goofing things up. He's kind of the ebb uh, from Green Acres of the series here. <laughs> or if you know Kenneth on 30 Rock, that's uh, pretty much the same character that he's playing here, uh, minus the accent. So uh, anyway, we're getting back to Jesse Royce Landis. Uh, you know, the funny thing is not only did she play Cary Grant's mother in North by Northwest, she played Grace Kelly's mother in To Catch a Thief. So, wow, big time on the. Uh, she, so she background. was in with Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah. I'm, she must have been an ice blonde or something. Now, the weirdest part of this, she's four years older than Helen Hayes. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Woof. And uh, I think this was her last film. She, uh, she passed away in uh, 1972 in Danbury, Connecticut. Yeah, it's. Uh, she does a great job. She really knows how to do that blue blood, uh, put up, stuck up thing. Uh, that great line in the opening of uh, uh, North by Northwest where she turns to the two murderers and says, uh, my son thinks you're trying to kill him. And they all laugh. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. What a great film. Uh, uh, but that's a different film. Yeah,
0: that's a different film. That'll be on the North by Northwest minute. Uh, tune in in 2035. Yeah. So- we'll we'll get there eventually I'll
1: be gumming my way through that one
0: <laughs> and uh, well we'll just keep repeating the same things don't worry it'll be all the same minute for us let's see oh next up we really have to talk about my favorite character actor bar none mr wit Bissell
1: oh yes yes wit creature from the black lagoon Bissell
0: yes and I was a teenage werewolf he was it basically, if it had giant bugs running around in it, or something that was crawling that they had to destroy, he was either the the professor, the mad doctor, or the the general that was involved. I mean, who can forget him in Irwin Allen's Time Tunnel? You know, he he was the military guy in charge of the time tunnel. He was also in uh, Star Trek in the tr- Trouble with Tribbles. He ran uh, the space station on the Trouble with Tribbles episode. It's just you know, anytime he's if you see Whit Bissell in a movie, you know it's going to be great science fiction. He's Always in charge. Uh, he's usually the good guy. He was the bad guy, and I was a teenage werewolf because that was, the, that was the one where he turned Michael Landon into a werewolf. He just nails every part that he has.
1: You know, maybe we can try and get his
0: daughter on this. I, I would love if, You're... if she uh, would, would call in. I've sent some uh, emails, and hopefully if, if any members of the Bissell family are out there, I would love to talk about your dad. So uh, please contact us through airportminute.com or uh, Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, you know, Bissell doesn't have a lot of lines in this one, but he plays it well. Uh, he comes across as a very professional oboist, just to have some good straight lines for uh, Helen Hayes to knock off. A good—I
1: uh, loved when he put on his uh, his uh, ear plugs and just just reclined. It's <laughs> like enough, enough.
0: Uh, and he's another one of those guys that probably knocked his section out. I mean. He only had one. He didn't even have to move in his. Well, he had to, he, yeah. he had to move seats once.
1: I would bet two days.
0: Yeah, easily. That's that's you know work it through lunch. We uh we get to the end of those little you know the little double credits, and now we're going to go through the the wall of uh, character actors. So uh, next up we've got Virginia Gray, Eileen Wesson, Paul Picerni, Robert Patton, Clark Howitt, Lou Brown, Ileana Dowdy, and Lisa Garrettson. Uh, briefly, Virginia Gray plays. Uh, The young guy with the horn-rimmed glasses, Skyler, his mom. She was a friend of Ross Hunter. And was in most of it. He was, she was kind of his good luck charm. So she was in a lot of his movies. She was close friends with uh, John Bassalone, who was the uh, Medal of Honor recipient, who was killed at uh, Iwo Jima. And she also had an, she also had an on and off again relationship with Clark Gable. So watch for Skyler's mom. He's, you know, he, she doesn't really have any lines. She just kind of calls the captain over once. But uh, when you see Skyler, look at his mom, and it's uh, the history lesson of Virginia Gray.
1: Jim, you have been mining the internet.
0: I'm trying to do my best, and uh, I've also been updating IMDb when they miss some of these things, but we'll see. Uh, Eileen Wesson plays uh, Judy Barton, who is uh, Lloyd Nolan's niece in the movie. She was in the movie Destination Moon. She was uh, Dick Wesson's daughter. If you ever watch Destination Moon, she has a, another part. That was the only other thing I could think of of note. Um... Paul Piccerny is uh, Dr. Compagno, the guy that treats, uh, well, uh, treats one of the main characters in the movie, was in House of Wax. He was uh, he was the guy that wasn't Charles Bronson. He was another, you know. <laughs>
1: one of the heads? One of the.
0: One of the assist. I think he, yeah, I think he gets killed. He's one of the younger guys. Mm. Uh, watch, for, watch for Paul Piccerny in, uh, in House of Wax. The pilot of Flight 45, which we're going to see before the week is out, Robert Patton. He plays Captain Benson. He He's always in movies where he's flying something. He was in 12 O'Clock High with uh, Gregory Peck. And he was, I think, the co-pilot. And then later on, he was in Black Sunday where he's flying the uh, Goodyear blimp. Oh, uh, the blimp. So he was... He, it's just... Don't let this guy behind the wheel, because something bad's gonna happen to whatever he's flying. They're either gonna get shot at, or you know, or go off the runway, or have their blimp blown up. And Clark Howitt is in this. Uh, he plays the good guy sheriff in Billy Jack. He's uh, Tanya Livingston's boss in this movie. Great character actor. You'll—he's another one of those who's that guy. You'll, you'll see him in a million movies. Really pulled in a major job in Billy Jack.
1: I remember those uh, those movies, you know, from high school, and and uh, I remember the sequel.
0: Oh yeah, trial Trial of Billy Jack.
1: Yeah, and 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 I think Tom Laughlin took out a, like a full page ad in the trades, and it said, "Billy Jack declares war on the critics." <laughs> <laughs> That's always and a great movie. Like the critics raved about, you know, and then a bunch of foreign movies. He goes, "Now, how many of those do you want to rush out and see?" And I thought that was pretty ballsy of him <laughs> to do that.
0: Yeah, he uh, yeah he had quite a quite a lot them yeah and you know billy jack made a fortune too i mean yeah. really pulled it in ah, oh well uh next up lou brown who plays danny at the snow desk he's everywhere he's in a bunch of different tv if, if you watch tv in the 70s he was always on some cop show he's always playing cops he's always the guy that doesn't you know all right what's this then he's he's always the disbelieving guy and he just has that kind of face and he has that kind of delivery and he does the same thing here so we'll be watching for Snowdesk, one of my favorite characters in this movie iliana doubting is the older bakersfield daughter who just mostly mopes through this uh movie she's in a bunch of flashbacks and i think she gets one scene where she's actually talking to bert lancaster and it's just saying hi dad bye dad and hangs up a phone and then her little <laughs> split screen disappears but you know hey it's work she got a paycheck. It's I'm a sure. credit. Keep the, keep the SAG card open. That's where it is. Her little sister in this show, Libby, uh, is played by Lisa Gerritsen. Uh, Lisa's big claim to fame was she was Cloris Leachman's daughter in Phyllis, the spinoff show from Mary Tyler Moore Show. She had a career going in their teenage years. I think she's out of it like most actresses she's probably in real estate or something uh you can look it up on imdb but she's gone on to real world things let's see now we have another scene comes up and it's more ice melting fire trucks burning down the runway and you know wiping out the snow until later so we've got jim nolan patty paulson ina hartman malia saint Duval, sharon harvey albert reed and jodine russo jim nolan has one very memorable role here as father steve Lonigan. We, we we will not go over that until mm. the minute comes, but it's it's probably the signature scene of mm. this entire movie. It's the one that everyone remembers, so watch for a Jim Nolan's big role. Doesn't doesn't even have a line, but just it he very good delivery, let's say. Yeah, happens.
1: exactly. More of a smack.
0: The next four people on the list there, Patty Paulson, Ina Hartman, Malia St. Duval, and Sharon Harvey, all play stewardesses uh, for this movie. Patty Paulson, the blonde stewardess Joan, she was a real-life American Airlines stewardess. She was uh, one of American Airlines' most well-known stewardesses in the '60s and '70s. She appeared in a lot of their advertising. If you look through their flagship news or their uh, on, you know, their magazines, she was always in it uh, with "I am American Airlines" underneath her. She did a bunch of things besides this. She was always modeling and. You know, they're showing her next to airplanes and stuff. So they usually interviewed her when they needed somebody to talk about being a stewardess. Um, Ina Hartman, Malia St. DeVal, Sharon Harvey had varied careers in a bunch of foreign movies. None of them uh, are of name. Uh, Albert Reed, uh, who plays a cop on the show. she uh, He was actually he used to be a cop and then he became an actor. That never happens. No, yeah, you know, these things go. Uh, Jodine Russo. Who uh, was jo- Jodine Lawrence in this one? She played. He played. She played Marie Petroni. Uh, she passed away in 2010. Not a lot of uh, uh things under her belt other than assorted Jack Webb productions, Adam Twelve and uh, Dragnet things like that. We've got tons of other people, but uh, just just hit the highlights. The next bunch up that come up are Nancy Ann Wilson, Dick Winslow, Lou Wagner, Janice Hansen, Mary Jackson, Shelley Novak. Chuck Daniel, and Charles Brewer. Nancy Nelson, I don't know which one she is. She played Bunny, but I can't figure out she's either uh, an insurance girl or somebody else that isn't named, so we won't go with her. Uh, Dick Winslow, who plays Skyler's dad, was in John Wayne's last movie, The Shootist. He was, great uh, film. Great I think film. A yeah, great film. Uh, Lou Wagner, who plays Skyler, the know-it-all, uh, smart alecky kid with the horn-rimmed glasses. You may know him as the young ape that was talking to... Charlton Heston at the end of Planet of the Apes. He's uh, he's mm. still in the business, and maybe we can have him on. Uh, uh, Mr. Wagner, if you're listening, please let us have you there. Janice Hansen, who is the nurse nun that helps out Dr. Compagno, uh, she was originally a playboy bunny.
1: And a beautiful one at that.
0: Yes. You can also see her as uh, probably her most famous role Tony Randall's or Felix Unger's wife or ex-wife on uh, The Odd Couple. So she had quite a run on ABC. Uh, She's currently a uh, uh, talent management uh, agent in Hollywood, and hopefully we can have her on the show. So we'll see. Mary Jackson, who was the other nun in this, the older nun that uh, drinks with uh, Helen Hayes. She was one of the Baldwin sisters on the uh, TV show The Waltons. Shelly Novak, who's the guy that said that... yeah, that thing was he impi- he gave all the straight lines to Petroni. He's the co-pilot for Petroni later on in the movie. He was uh, from Venice, California, and also a football player. He played with the San Diego Chargers, and then wound up in uh, in movies. Uh, This is one of his few lines. Uh, Chuck Daniel and Charles Brewer, I am not sure who they are. We will try to track down what characters they play. If they're on
1: the internet, we will find them.
0: Somewhere out there. And if they're still alive, please check in with us, and we will get you on our little podcast, and you can tell us all about your days in airport. In the meantime, that's the end of uh, Minute 2. Thanks for staying with us so long. Uh, You can reach out to us uh, however you are on the social networks. You can get us on Twitter at AirportMinute. You can get us on Facebook at Airport Minute. You can visit our website, airportminute.com. We'd be happy to hear from you. Please like us, like our podcast on iTunes. Uh, We really need to be liked. We do. We need liking. We need subscriptions. We need just, you know, we're not doing this for money. Uh, please pay attention to that. You're not home video. No, it's. Are you kidding me? It's all gratis. This is our work of charity for people t- trapped in their cars, listening to things and trying to find out what else is on besides NPR podcasts. It's us. So please <laughs> uh, comment, like us, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, I think we're also on SoundCloud. So check in there. In the meantime, please uh, send us some feedback. And let us know what, what you feel, how you feel about the show. We will be back tomorrow, Wednesday with Minute 3, where we'll be talking about the company that made all these different colors available to us. A lot of technical information. Hopefully a guest star uh, that will tell us about the uh, technical end of making this movie. Thank you. Have a good Tuesday evening, and uh, we will talk again tomorrow. So, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Alright, over and out. Good day. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling.